talking to people, if you don't like talking to people, you're probably having a hard time with life because it's a given in life that we have to talk with people. We talk to our parents, we talk to our kids, talk to our spouses, our friends, our coworkers. We have to talk to store clerks, the person at the gas station. We have to talk to waiters and waitresses. Sometimes we have to do the worst thing of all, which is called technical support and wait on hold and talk to somebody on technical support. And we've talked to countless of people over the course of our lives. And if you admit it, some people were more enjoyable to talk to than others. And one of the characteristics that makes people enjoyable to talk to is that they listened well. They were good listeners. And so think about the people in your life that you would say, that person is a really good listener. And you'll think about the person that when, you, when they call you, you want to pick up the phone. Or when you call them, you know you're, you're, they're going to really listen to you. And they're most likely the people um, that you enjoy talking to the most. And so with those people in your mind, think about what they do that makes them a good listener. What do they do that makes you feel heard and listened to? And we're going to just write down, what are, the, what are the things that make someone a good listener? What does a good listener do? Don't interrupt. They don't interrupt. Okay. What else does a good listener do? Gives feedback. Gives feedback. <coughs> you know, so they don't just stare at you after you've said it. <coughs> Give me something here, a smile, a word. <laughs> Give feedback. Uh, patient. Patient. you get it out, or if they don't understand, maybe they'll ask a question, even if it seems wrong, like, that doesn't sound right, you know, like, patient to understand things, yeah? Uh, they don't try to change your story into their story. <laughs> so don't make it about them. <laughs> yeah, like, that happened to me once, oh, okay, but it's happening to me right now. Would be nice if you heard that. That looks like a boot. Canadian. <laughs> Don't make it a boot them. Oh gosh. And then there we go. It's <laughs> your Wisconsin accent. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Anything else that makes someone a good listener? Uh, their body language, eye contact. Okay. Body language could indicate they're paying attention. Yeah. If they're kind of like, you know, if their eyes are on their phone or out the window, that would be a good sign. Or if their arms are crossed. It's almost like attention. They're kind of like with their body, they're showing, they're giving you attention. Yeah, they believe what you're saying in a sense. Right? They don't, um, they don't um, negate, I mean, it's like, oh, that's not really good. You know, they don't counter, they're, they're positive in their responses instead of like saying, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> they have a like a belief or benefit of the doubt, or they're like accepting they're, of what you're saying. They, you know, okay. There's, a, there's an openness to it. openness. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm not. I'm not sure what the word no, would be. The word is either. Oh gosh, accepting what? Jeez, <laughs> oh, I don't even know what, what one says. I don't know why I said one. Okay, there. Uh, there's open. Openness maybe is a word. 
a good way. Like they don't come in with prejudgments. Maybe it's almost like, uh, well, what are they going to say to me today that I that's dumb or I'm not going to believe? There's like an openness, welcoming kind of. They dedicate time to you, right? To mm. hear your story. Dedicate, dedicate time. There's a focus. I think about uh, if you're a boss or a, or a parent. Um, they do what you said would make it would make a good listener, so they obey. Yeah, I had a I was just staying with a friend uh, <clears throat> New Year's and he was kept talking to his daughter like telling her something and then he was like, "Are you being a good listener right now?" And she said, "No." <laughs> and then, Are you going to be a good listener? And she said, "No." <laughs> then they had to have a, a little conversation, but we. Uh, yeah, it's like she wasn't doing what he said, and so like she knows she's not being a good listener because she wasn't doing it. But when the calendar flips over to the new year, it, it feels like a fresh start. It feels like an opportunity to make changes on things that we didn't like about last year, to make improvements. Um, we may want to improve our physical health or our financial health, and maybe some of us have thought about that. Um, and maybe some of us have thought, how am I going to improve my spiritual health? But how do we improve our spiritual health? How do we um, make ourselves spiritually healthy? And, First, it'd be good. Well, we need a picture of what spiritual health looks like. We maybe have, you know, pictures that of what we what physical health looks like, or our doctor gives us some sort of goal about our blood pressure or our weight or something like that, and then we have something to shoot for. Well, our passage in Hebrews three and four says the goal is rest. The goal is to enter into God's rest. And so you may think, well, what what comes to your mind when you hear the word rest? And I, there's lots of pictures that come to mind for me, but. Um, rest can come from uh, a feeling that all the work has been done. You've worked hard all day, and there's nothing left to do, so now you can put up your feet and relax. You've entered this state of rest. There's nothing left to do. And rest can also come from a sense of security and safety. There's certain people, when you're around them, you constantly feel like you're walking on eggshells. You're afraid of upsetting them or offending them. You feel like they're always evaluating you. You don't feel like you can relax and be yourself. But then there's certain people that you're around, and you feel like you can rest. You, can, you feel safe, and you feel secure in their presence. You can let your guard down and be yourself, and the, the relationship is secure. And in the book of Hebrews, rest means a bit of both of those. Rest is available to us because Jesus has finished the work of making us safe in God's presence. We've talked a lot about that throughout the book of Genesis. We talked a lot about that as we we're going through... Um, uh, getting ready for Christmas, but Jesus finished this work which makes us safe and secure in God's presence. So there's a work that's been finished which makes us safe and secure in a relationship. And rest is available because Jesus finished the work of making us safe with God. And because of Jesus' death on the cross, he's paid for our forgiveness so we can be right with God. On the cross he died, and as he was dying, he said, it is finished. Those are actual words recorded that he said. He did the work necessary to bring us back home to God, as we've talked about. And remember, safe, we talked about how we, that could be an acronym. You know, we're secure in Christ. We're accepted by God. And we're forgiven of everything. And we're embraced in love. There's a safety in that. It's because of Jesus' work. But while that rest is available now, our work is not yet done. And almost, they might seem kind of like contradictory. Like, what? How is there rest and there's work to be done? Um, well, we don't work to make ourselves right with God, but we must do something in order to enter the rest that God has made available to us. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves safe in God's presence, but there is something we need to do that God asks us to do in order to enter 
that relationship. And so we're going to spend this evening exploring um, the big idea of this passage. And the passage tells us the key to entering God's rest, and it's this. We enter God's rest by trusting and obeying God. We enter God's rest by trusting and obeying God. We enter God's rest by trusting and obeying God. That's what Hebrews 3, 7 through 4, 13, that's what it's all about. We enter God's rest by trusting and obeying God. And it's all about, this passage is all about being a good listener. It's teaching us to be a good listener in the most important relationship we have, our relationship with God. And listening, it's key to any good relationship. And the question is, are we good listeners to God? And some of these things could apply you know, to God. How, I don't know how we make eye contact. Um, but... You know, some of these things apply to our relationship with God, and some of them don't, because really, just you listen differently in different relationships. You listen differently to a friend than you listen to a parent or a boss. And when you look what we wrote, did, you know, do some of these things describe your relationship with God? Do we dedicate time and focus? Um, do we not interrupt God? It might sound weird, but you know, are we always all over the place, just not having any focused time with God. But kind of what Brian was saying, do we accept what he says and then take, it, take him at his word? Do we obey him? Are we patient to understand if there's something we're like, I don't get that, God. Are we like, you know, so I'm going to be done with you. Or are we patient to say, God, I know that you're good and I want to understand you. And when God speaks, do we listen? And someone who listens to God trusts what he says and they do what he says. And the theme throughout this passage is entering God's rest by trusting and obeying God. And the author gives us four commands that tell us the how. How do we trust and obey God? So let's start in verse 7. In verse 6, the author said, if we hold fast to our confidence and our hope in Jesus, then we belong to Jesus. We're his house. We are owned by him. In other words, we must remain faithful to Jesus and not abandon our faith in him. That's the sign of someone who truly trusts in him. And verse 7 is a follow-up to that. So um, to that truth, it says this. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And in these two chapters, chapters 3 and 4, our passage, it tells us about these different opportunities uh, in human history where God gave people an opportunity to enter his rest. And it'll be helpful. We're going to kind of lay them out right now and keep track of them. So uh, the timeline hopefully doesn't get confusing. Um, but the author of Hebrews, he's writing in the first century, you know, the first 0 to 100 AD. But then what he quoted, what we just read, he quotes from Psalm 95. And so that is from about 1000 BC. So 1000 years before the author of Hebrews lived, the psalm was written, and he's quoting it, so it's a thousand years old. I mean, isn't that crazy? Like, he's quoting something that's a thousand years old, and now two thousand years later, we're reading it and being quoted in a different book. Um, and this psalm is written by the most famous king of Israel, King David. And in the psalm, he gives this warning and this command to the people of Israel that he's ruling over at that time. But as he's giving it, he's looking back hundreds of years before he lived, before, at an event that occurred in the history of his nation. God delivered the people um, from, the, from Egypt. They're in slavery in Egypt. He delivered them, this famous event called the Exodus, and the, sends the plagues. 
tells us, Pharaoh, let my people go. They come to Mount Sinai to worship him. He gives them these laws and commands. And he says, I'm bringing you to a land, the land of Canaan. I promised it to your ancestors. We were hearing all about that in Genesis, how he promised it to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And now finally the people are going to go and enter this land. And God says, I'm going to bring you here. But then, as he's taking them, they grumbled and complained that they had no water or food, or food. And then later on, they refused to actually enter the land because they said, oh, it's too, it, the, the people there are too numerous and too strong. We can't enter this land. And throughout that journey from Egypt to Canaan, the Israelites lacked faith and disobeyed God over and over again. And because they hardened their hearts and rebelled and didn't trust or obey God, God says, you're not going to enter my rest. And for them, rest was, they're on this journey to the promised land, and rest was entering that land, occupying it, finally having this land that God promised to them. Trust and obedience was what was required, and they refused to do it. And their punishment, God says, he says, you're going to wander, you maybe have heard about the wilderness wandering, Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and that was a punishment, because that generation of Israel didn't trust or obey God, and he said, none of you guys are going to enter this land, your kids are going to get it, but you're going to wander into the desert until you all die off, and then I'm going to give it to your kids and not to you. And about 400 years later after this, King David, in this psalm, Psalm 95, which I read at the beginning of the service too, is telling his people, don't be like them. If you hear God's voice today, don't harden your hearts like they did in their rebellion against him. They saw God's works. They saw the plagues. They saw the pillar of fire um, by night, the pillar of cloud by day. They saw the Red Sea split. And yet they went astray in their hearts. They didn't follow God's ways. And therefore he judged them. They weren't able to enter the promised land. They weren't able to enter the rest he had promised them. And then a thousand years after David, the author of Hebrews is quoting this psalm to give his readers the same warning and command. So we're going to draw it up, draw it up here. There was this rest offered to Israel. But then in David's time, we'll do David... He's saying, guys, there's still a rest here. It's responding to God's voice. Don't harden your hearts to God's voice now. There's still a rest to be entered now. And then we have the author of Hebrews here later saying, guys, there's a rest to be entered into now. Don't harden your hearts to God. And so it's all these, over all this time, there's always an opportunity to enter God's rest. And it, it is the rest we talked about earlier, to enter this relationship with him. And the big idea for this passage is that we enter God's rest by trusting and obeying him. But how do we trust and obey God? The first how is in verse 12. Verse 12 tells us, rest requires responsive hearts. Rest requires responsive hearts. Rest requires responsive hearts. He says in verse 12, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. You need to take care, he says. You need to watch yourselves. You need to pay close attention to your heart. Just like that generation back in Moses' day hardened their hearts to God's voice, you can do that today too if you don't respond to him in trust and obedience. And what is our heart? And it's not just that thing in our chest that's pumping blood to the rest of our body. We use the word heart in lots of different ways today, he has a broken heart, or absence makes the heart grow fonder, or home is where the heart is. In the Bible, the heart is the core of a person's being that controls, uh, drives and controls everything they do. And I find a helpful analogy is you can picture it like a driver's seat in a car. So check this out. Here's our car. This is Hudson's dump truck. 
Take that person out. So here we go. Driver's seat in the car. Whatever's in the driver's seat is going to control where the heart or where the where the truck goes. And so the heart for us, whatever's in our heart, that's like the driver's seat of our person. Whatever's in the driver's seat is going to control where our goes, what our life, where our life is going, the destination, what we're doing, how we're conducting ourselves. And so we may ask, well, okay, well, what's in the driver's seat? What determines what's in the driver's seat of our lives? Well, it's whatever, whatever we value most. I don't know what this represents, but whatever we value most is going to be the driver's seat of our life. Um, whatever's most important to you, what is the highest priority to you is going to be in the driver's seat of your life, directing the destination, directing what you do in your life. It's going to be have the steering wheel, and it's going to control wherever you go. And this is why, as a church, we put such an emphasis on the heart. I don't know if you've ever picked up on it, but in every sermon, I don't say these words, but I think through how do we apply this passage to our head, to our heart, um, and to our hands. And head focuses on what we need to know. What's the truth from this passage that we need to know, that we need to take away from ourselves? And then hands focuses on what do we need to do? How does that truth make our lives look different? But in the middle is the heart, which focuses on what do we need to believe? Because this, you know, imagine this is, you know, I've talked to you about, here's this truth about God. We'll use one of the four Gs. God is great. Um, but you can know that in your head. But if you never let it into the driver's seat of your life, it's not going to change what you do. If you don't really believe that truth, you'll see your life affected. You'll see that you won't try to be in control anymore of everything. Um, that's what it looks like when it's in the driver's seat of your life. Each one of these is like, there's the, you know, here's the head-level truth, and then this is what it would look like if it was in the driver's seat. Um, I would not fear people. I would not be looking to other things for satisfaction. I won't be trying to prove myself. That's what each of those looks like um, when they're in the driver's seat of your life. And if we only accumulate knowledge about God in our heads, we may have the right answers for everything, but we won't have a changed life. And we need to have hearts that are responsive to God. The soil of our hearts needs to be soft so that when we hear God, his word penetrates our hearts and it goes into us and grows the fruit in our lives that he wants it to grow. And if our hearts are hard, God's word will just bounce off it. It's going to go one, one year, in one ear and out the other and never make a difference. And so if you're... If you like taking notes, if you're taking notes now, or if you want to start taking notes, you can grab a bulletin. Um, I'm going to give you a couple things to write down if you're wanting to do that. Um, just give an assessment for yourself. This is a new year. How well are you listening to God? Is your heart responsive? I'll give you the words in a little bit. Is your heart responsive to Him? When you hear God speak in the Bible or in a sermon or through other people, do you respond with trust and obedience? Or do you walk away doing the same as you did before? And so write down which one describes your heart. Hard, soft, or medium. Couldn't think of a better word than medium. So hard, soft, or medium. Is your heart hard, soft, or medium towards God and what he says? No one else is going to see it, so you don't have to sugarcoat it. No, actually, you're all going to turn them in at the end, and I'm going to assess them. No, just kidding. So the big idea for this passage is that we enter... God's rest by trusting and obeying God. And that was the first how. The second how for trusting and obeying God is in verse 13. Verse 13 tells us, here's the point that we get from it. Rest requires relationship with others. Rest requires relationship with others. Rest requires relationship with others. He says this in verse 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today 
that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And he draws the word today from the psalm. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And each day, he's saying every day, every day we should be telling each other, exhorting one another to keep following God, keep your faith in God, um, holding tightly to Jesus, telling one another the truths about God, keeping each other from sin. And each day is an opportunity either to have a hard heart toward God or a responsive heart toward God, to follow God or to follow sin. And over time, the steering of your car can get out of alignment. I don't know, the wheels, get, I don't understand it, but the wheels get off, and so you let go of the wheel, and it pulls in a, a certain direction. Um, and you have to take it to the mechanic, they realign it or whatever. And I think, maybe we could all get in on this, I think there's an overlooked market on adjusting the alignment on shopping carts. Because I don't even think they come out of the factory with an aligned wheels, because it seems like every single shopping cart has this little wonky wheel that does whatever it wants, and you let go of your cart for a second, and it makes a 90-degree turn and whacks all the cans off the shelf that you're next to. So we could all get in, you know, just be sitting in the beginning of Walmart and be like, do you want your wheels aligned on that shopping cart? And have people, I don't know, pay us five bucks or something. But um, the author of Hebrews is making this point that our hearts are like a shopping cart with this wonky wheel. If you take your hand off it, it's going to go astray from God. So you need to take care of it. You need to keep a handle on it. And then this verse tells us that the deceitfulness of sin is actually working to harden our hearts and working to lead us astray. And sin is deceitful. In other words, disobeying God, doing the opposite of what God says and not doing what he says, um, promises joy and life and satisfaction, but it never delivers. It's a deception. It's a lie. In order to walk with God every day, as long as it's called today, we need more than just us. That's what this verse tells us. This verse tells us that we need other people. This verse tells us we need that more than just our hand on the wonky shopping cart of our heart because we're not strong enough to keep it going straight on our own. It says you need to have other people exhorting you to every day as long as it's called today. We need others exhorting us, pointing out sin and unbelief, reminding us of the truths about God, pulling us back on course. And that's why as a church we don't just gather on Sundays, because one hour a week isn't enough to keep us on course the other 167 hours of the week. And during this time, we aren't able to go deep enough in order to really examine one another's hearts and exhort one another. Like, I'm up here, but, you know, there's not a, necessarily a lot of back and forth or a lot of us sharing with each other and being able to exhort and encourage one another. And that's why we do gospel communities and gospel fluency groups. That's why we have gather, go, and grow. This is the gather time, but that's why we also go with the gospel community, a smaller um, group, and then we also have gospel fluency groups of two or three men and women meeting together. And if you aren't involved in those areas, perhaps it's something you should consider going deeper this year. And why is this important? Verse 14 puts it plainly. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. It's important because what matters is whether we are surrendering to Jesus today. What matters is whether we're responding to God with trust and obedience today. It doesn't matter. We can't look back on a decision we made 10 years ago to follow Jesus if we aren't following him today. We can't look back at a day we were baptized and say, well, I was baptized. Well, I made a decision for Jesus 10 years ago, 5 years ago, um, whenever it was, and say, well, I'm good because at one point in my life I said I was trusting and obeying Jesus. It's about Today, we're holding our faith firm to the end, committed to Jesus until we die. And to do that, we need other people. Because if we let go 
of that cart, if we let go of our hearts, we stop paying attention to it, it's going to go astray. And we need more people with their hands on it than just us. So how well are you listening to God by letting other people into your life? Are you trying to follow God alone? Maybe you have others helping you, but you don't go as deep as you know that you need to go. Are you letting others into your struggles and doubts? Are you confessing your sins and unbelief to other people? And so write down where your relationships with others are at. Deep, shallow, or medium? Medium works in a lot of ways. So deep, shallow, or medium? And the author quotes Psalm 95 again to prove his point for why this is so important. Look at verse 15. As it is said, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who are those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they are unable to enter because of unbelief. The people in Moses' day, and by the way, in Moses, it's not like he's just some guy who's kind of like, well, whoever Moses is. This is like saying, I mean, I don't know if you all know who, does everyone know who Billy Graham is? Or, you know, just some famous preacher today, like, these people are following Billy Graham, and they went astray. It's like, these people are following Moses. This is like the guy, people were like, Moses is awesome. He's like... There's crazy things said about him in the Old Testament. We wrote the first five books of the Bible. And we re- were just preaching through one of his books last year, Genesis. And it's like people were following him, and they went astray. And the people in Moses' day did not enter God's rest because of disobedience and unbelief. And even though they heard God's voice, they didn't respond with trust and obedience. And that's why it's so important that we keep atten- pay attention to our hearts. And then chapter 4, verse 1 gives us our third how for trusting and obeying God. How do we trust and obey God? Verse 1 of chapter 4 tells us, rest requires real concern about responding to God. Rest requires real concern about responding to God. Rest requires real concern about responding to God. Chapter 1, verse 4 says this, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. The command we're given in this, these verses is to fear. Meaning we should take this seriously, not this like, Oh no, like, is God going to like strike me? I need to hide under a rock. But no, we need to take this seriously. This needs to be made a priority and a concern of ours. Why? Well, he says, because good news came to them, just as it's come to us. And look, it didn't matter that they heard the good news. It didn't matter that they heard the message. It didn't matter that God spoke to them. It did them no good because they didn't listen. They didn't respond with trust and obedience. Because of that, they did not enter God's rest. And in life, the concerns can be endless. There's many things we can concern ourselves with. Paying the bills, problems at work, problems at home, problems at school, how we look, what people think of us, sports, retirement, or next vacation. And some of the things we concern ourselves with are very, very important. We should concern ourselves with those things. And some things are really inconsequential in, in life or this year or in eternity. 
Um, and yet we concern ourselves with them. But the problem is that we can put the most important things on the back burner. We can put matters of eternal importance on hold because we're too wrapped up with lesser things. And this passage is telling us that our relationship with God is not something we can put on autopilot. You can't put any relationship on autopilot if you want it to be a good one. And the mere fact that we would ever put our relationship with the God who made us and saved us on the back burner shows how wayward we are and how easily we can be led astray. The author warns us that hearing a sermon on Sunday or reading our Bible on our own is not enough if we walk away unchanged. So where is God on your priority list? Is he on the back burner? Is your relationship with him on autopilot? Or are you pursuing him and making him a top priority? So write down where your relationship with God is on your priority list. High, medium, or low. Not where you think it should be, but where it actually is based on your actions. Is it high priority, medium priority, or low priority? We talked about the timeline, the opportunities that God gave is, uh, that this passage is saying these were opportunities for people to enter his rest. Verses 4 through 10 tell us of another opportunity in history to enter God's rest. So backing up a little bit in verse 3 in chapter 4, and we'll read um, through verse 10. So he says this, Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he is somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And so this takes us all the way back to Genesis 2-2, which we went through long ago. And so we see that rest, wrong color, rest was available um, to be entered from the start of creation. We could enter God's rest where um, he had finished his works and we there's an invitation to enter that. And then the time with Israel, um, all that generation that were disobedient, didn't trust him, they died off. And then Joshua, that's what he's talking about here, was the one who led the new generation in. And then he's, this author is saying, well, if Joshua had given the people of Israel rest, David wouldn't have spoken about a day of rest uh, in his time. And so then Hebrews is saying, look, we have, we have an opportunity today to enter God's rest by trusting him and obeying him. Um, and Jesus, when he was uh, on the earth, said, come all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you, take my burden upon you, for it's easy and light. And then we look forward to a future day when we rest in the land God's promised to us, a new creation um, with him face to face. Chapter 4, verse 11, gives us our, first, our fourth how for trusting and obeying God. So how do we trust and obey God? Verse 11 tells us, rest requires daily effort. Rest requires daily effort. Rest requires daily effort. Verse 11 says this, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. 
We need to strive to enter the rest God has made available to us. And strive could be also translated as be eager or make every effort to. In other words, take entering God's rest seriously. Be attentive to what's going on in your heart and your life. Get people around you who are going to exhort you, encourage you every day. Don't take this lightly. And it's not about making ourselves good enough to enter. That work is complete. Jesus finished it. What we focus on is our faith, keeping it strong and enduring. We focus on trusting and obeying God. Why? Well, verse 12 says, why? It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This passage is focused on being a good listener to God, God's voice, God's message, God's good news, God's word. And God's word can either transform us or it can be the thing that condemns us because nothing is hidden from God. He sees whether we're trusting and obeying it, and he sees uh, when we're not. We can't pull a fast one over on him. We can't fake it with him. And we're all invited to enter God's rest today. There's this eternal rest we look forward to when we rest in God's heavenly presence, but there's a rest to be entered today, the rest in the finished work of Jesus on our behalf, the rest in the good news of who God is, what he's done through Jesus. We can enter that rest here and now. And God invites us to enter his rest by trusting and obeying him. And rest is found in a relationship with God. And God defines that relationship, what it, what it looks like. What does it look like to have a relationship with him? He says, it looks like trusting and obeying me. And we can't just say, Oh, you know, God, I'd like to have the relationship on my own terms. He says, no, this is the terms of the relationship. If you want true rest, if you want salvation, if you want freedom, here's what it looks like. It's relationship with me. That means trusting and obeying me. That's how we enter the rest of relationship with him. And the problem is that our hearts can be hard and sin is deceitful. We need to fight unbelief in sin. And that's why as we were going through the book of Genesis last year, we focused on these four G's, the four truths about God. I mean, as I said, these are these truths about him, and this is what it would look like if it was to sit in the driver's seat of our heart and in life. We, if we believe, trust and believe that God is great, um, then we would stop trying to be in control. If we trust and believe that God is glorious, we would stop fearing others. If we trust and believe that God is good, we wouldn't be looking for satisfaction everywhere else. If God, we trust and believe God is, trust and obey that God is gracious, we wouldn't be trying to prove ourselves um, to other people and to God. Once we start resting in God, we can stop scrambling about doing uh, with stress and fear and anxiety uh, and things that we don't want in our life. So we think about, how do I clean my life out of, of the things that I don't want? And we start trusting and obeying God. And so in order to walk with God in your everyday life this year, I want to suggest two actions. Maybe you'll come up with one better than these. Um, but the one is first memorize the four G's. One of my hopes was after we finished Genesis is that we would all have the four G's memorized. But um, since we aren't going to be using this for a little while, we have little magnets, which is a, a gift from our church to you that you can put on your, I guess, whatever metal surface you want. Um, <laughs> and so I'll hand these about. Um, and you can grab, I don't know how many fridges you have, but uh, <laughs> what, however many you think would be useful to you, but don't be wasteful. <laughs> so if... The, the goal is that you would be able to memorize the four G's, keep them in front of you this year, um, and go back to them again and again, because those are going to help you um, let the truth about God sit in the driver's seat of your heart so it changes um, how you're acting with your hands. And second, 
I would suggest is taking one step this month to enter God's rest. And that was what this passage was all about, entering God's rest. And so to enter something, you need to take a step. If you want to enter a house, you need to take a step into it. So if you want to enter God's rest, we've gone over four steps you can take to walk closer um, with God this year. We've talked uh, about uh, responding, having a responsive heart. We talked about having a relationship with others. We talked about making it a, a concern, a priority in your life. Um, and lastly, we talked about uh, having a response to his word, striving, having a daily effort for it. Maybe pick one of those that you need uh, to work on. Um, and you're, the thing is, our lives are perfectly designed to experience the rest that they're currently experiencing. Our life is perfectly designed um, to experience the closeness with God you're currently experiencing. And so if you want to be closer with God, if you want to experience more rest, if you want to feel like, man, God is taking care of me. I don't feel anxious that I have to be in control. I don't feel anxious running around looking for satisfaction and all these other things. I don't feel like I have to prove myself. I don't feel afraid of others. Your life is perfectly designed um, to experience the exact things you're experiencing. And so if you want to, to experience something different, you need to make a change in your life. And so... Perhaps the things we wrote down, you know, we kind of evaluated them, high, low, or medium, or whatever all the things were. Pick one of those if you're like, yeah, this one was lowest for me. Maybe start there and make a commitment this month. And as we wrap up, you know, the first months of the year, gyms are more full and Bibles are more open. <laughs> because everyone's like, yes, I want to change this year. And then as things get harder, you know, it's kind of the same. You think about working out. And you think about being close with God, there's a lot of similarities. Because we might be like, you know, in my head I know this is good for me, um, but yet I'm not still not working out. And so with God, it's like, I know this would be good for me to do these things, God, but yet we don't let it in the driver's seat of our life. And a lot of work, people working out, they try to do it alone. Like, I just got to do this. And people are a lot more successful when they have a group or have people with them. That's why we need relationships in our relation, as we're having relating with God. And then what happens with working on other things, concerns become a priority. Well, you know, i got to do this thing with my house or this, this, or this happened that knocked me off track. All these other concerns, I don't have time to work out. We do the same thing with God. Like other things become a priority. Or we're just like, it is too much effort to get up at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or whatever it is to go work out. Or I'm too tired after work to go work out. And so we lose the drive for that daily effort to work on uh, physical health. The same thing happens with our spiritual health. We work, we lose the motivation um, to have the daily effort um, to, to seek after God and pursue Him. And so we need all these things we talked about if we're going to have a, a year of spiritual health, of walking with God every day, um, of being close with Him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, this warning and encouragement, too, that there is rest to be entered, that the work is finished, and so now we can freely enter in. There's no, uh, there's no bars or chains blocking us from entering your rest, from entering relationship with you. Um, and all it takes is our response of trusting and obeying you. So would you help us today as we leave here uh, to be people that have responsive hearts to you, uh, that want to seek after you with all you ha we have and prioritize you. And would you help us to be a church that does it together? In your son's name we pray. Amen.